Our faith influences our everyday life, and that is why theology matters. It's important we know what it is we believe and why we believe it. Join me, Cass, as we talk about theology and how it impacts our everyday life. We'll discuss cultural societal norms and taboo topics, all in light of biblical truths and standing firm in Christ. This is Her Theology. Ladies, and welcome to another episode here with Her Theology. I'm your host, Cass, and I am very thankful that you are tuning in with me today. The reason why, I know I say I'm excited about every episode, which is true, I am excited about every episode, but uh, this particular series that we're doing, which is addressing porn and sexual addiction within the church, uh, along with the struggles for women and also what that looks like in impacting our marriages and how to support one another through this journey. The reason why I'm excited about this series is because it's something that's close to my heart. Um, it's a journey that's close to my heart because I've struggled with it personally before I was married. Uh, and then it's a journey that my husband and I have also been on for the last four years and we continue to grow and heal and see restoration and just our marriage is fully strengthened through it. It's incredible. Um, I'm passionate about it because I've seen so much restoration and healing in so many other people that have been on the same journey. And I can also see there's just so much work to be done in this area when it comes to uh, this kind of topic, this, this sin that's in our lives that we often are unsure how to talk about. Now, as we go through this series, I know there's going to be some of you that are listening and thinking, this isn't an issue for me, um, so I don't really need to listen to it. Maybe you're thinking of other people that you know that have struggled with it um, and you don't really know how to support them. And then there's probably many of you that are listening right now that are going, oh, I finally feel heard. Someone's talking about it and I'm, wait a second, I'm not alone. I'm not a weirdo. You mean other people deal with this issue? Um, and so like, regardless of where you fall, the reality is that this is an issue that is pervasive and it's not just belonging to the world, it's, it's within the church. And many, many people are struggling with it. And so we need to bring it to light. And so whether you struggle with it yourself personally or whether you don't, you're going to benefit greatly listening to this series because it's going to equip you on how to find healing or help others find healing and how to talk about it in a way that's loving and biblical um, and addresses it in truth. Um, so I'm going to share with you just a few little stats to get us started just so you can understand, I guess, the gravity of what's going on. Um, and like I said, it's pervasive. These stats are according to a, a handful of different ministries, Covenant Eyes, Josh McDowell Ministries and Pure Desires Ministries. But this is the reality within the church, okay? So they did a poll in America, and yes, this is America, not in Australia, but I would say that most of the stats and societal things that we see in America are fairly transferable. Yes, there's differences, but I would say this is fairly accurate for what would be happening within the, within the Australian church. 70% of men within the church engage in watching porn regularly, and over 50% of pastors do this as well. It goes even higher to 76% when it's men under the age of 25, and 87% of Christian women have seen porn, and of that under the age of 30, 33% watch it monthly, regularly. 
Keep in mind, according to the global stats, 40% of the porn usage in the world is actually by women, and that stat's growing fast. Sadly, 94% of our children will see porn before the age of 14, and the average age of introduction now is eight, which is wild. With that said, we could probably say it's right from when they're a newborn, because if you walk down the shops and you go past bras and things, or Honey Birdeau, they have just been introduced to soft porn. So I think we're really desensitized and probably unaware of how much our children are introduced at a very, very young age. This is an issue of mass, massive, 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 massive scale and proportions. And it's, like I said, not just for the world to worry about. This is actually within the church walls. So we really need to talk about it, even though I know it's taboo and it can be really awkward for many of us to talk about it. Um, I think the reason why it's probably an issue within the church and we don't talk about it is we need to give it grace. There's a lot of pastors that just don't have the resources or the knowledge on how to tackle this. Uh, It could also be generational. You know, there are some generations that have always just kind of viewed sex or talked about sex as a dirty thing and they don't know really how to address it well in light of the gospel and and what God has to say about it. Um, It also could be because men and women that are leading ministry are also struggling with it secretly and they don't even know if they can overcome it themselves. So how the heck do they talk about it with their congregation then? Um, And so that's why we need to now more than ever fight hard to voice this growing and hidden sin and bring it to the light and remove the shame and guilt that kind of cloaks it and stops any any healing and restoration and actually create space for healthy and safe conversations to take place that way people can find community and restoration and hope um so that's why i am doing this series we are going to go deep into each aspect of it over the next three episodes potentially four depending how long everything takes and what other rabbit holes we want to go down under but today we're going to really focus on the church so what's the theological aspect like what is the church's response historically where has the church kind of gone a little bit wrong on this and what can we do like to fix it you know rather than focusing on all the bad stuff what can we do to move forward to make sure that the next generation and the people in the church right now can can find um, the next steps to healing so I thought I'd get Bernard on um, with me today he is helped us tremendously in our journey uh, Bernard is a pastor in Perth he lived in Sydney for four years where he ran the conquer and seven pillars of freedom groups by pure desires he is now the regional group advisor for Pure Desires Ministries Oceana. And Pure Desires, in case you're going, what is this that he's talking about? <laughs> um, Pure Desires exists to help men and women take back their lives from unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. And so but Bernard's well-versed in this. He's been going through this um, process himself, but also running groups since 2014. And not only that, he's a pastor, he's theologically trained, he he knows what he's talking about. And so, Bernard, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good long to be here. Long introduction, sorry. but <laughs> So, Bernard, let's get stuck in. Did you want to maybe share a little bit of your background story um, and just, I guess, how you got involved with Pure Desire's and go from there. Yeah, I'll just share briefly. I was born in South Africa. My parents were immigrants from Germany and uh, grew up there. And I'd I'd say that my childhood would have covered the good, the bad and the ugly. So by the time that I was born, my parents, their marriage was struggling and and they had uh, 
they'd made a new life for themselves and done very well, but they were battling and they, they also had a fair amount of trauma in their own lives. So I wouldn't have learned how to process that. And so in between the, the many good experiences, there probably was a lot of anxiety in the home, a lot mm. of what they call inescapable chronic stress. When you, you're small, you can't process what's going on. So you just go and hide in your room and go into your own world. And uh, But later, you know, the emotional bulls come home mm. and you have to sort of deal with it. And yes, I grew up an unbeliever, nominally Catholic, with a, a belief in God, not atheist but certainly not a, a faith in Jesus Christ and knowing him in terms of an interactive relationship with him on an a basis of experience, you know, thought and exp experience and not knowing the Lord Jesus. And, and then I, well, I, uh, you know, lived a typical life of brokenness and sin and rebellion and lostness and became a Christian at the age of 22 in a Baptist church where I heard the gospel ministered. It was, in fact, through Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And it was like the Lord was telling me, Bernard, your life is in a downward spiral. I'm giving you over to a depraved mind. And literally, wow. what was happening. But the awareness of the lostness and the addictiveness in my life. And, yeah, that night I gave my life to the Lord and uh, haven't looked back. Had a wonderful conversion experience. So that was at least my early, very early Christian experience. That's great. And so how, what was, what's been your journey then with um, getting involved with Pure Desires, finding out about the ministry and yeah, go, going from there? Well, I can honestly say that my mess became my ministry and my misery. <laughs> became my mission so I love that I, I grew rapidly in the Lord and had uh, went to go and study at uh, the Baptist Theological College of Southern Africa for for ministry and the church I became a Christian in was a lovely church but also just full of uh, malfunction and dysfunction as every every church so I wouldn't have had much discipleship in terms of emotional uh, brokenness in terms of sexual struggles you know they, they sort of didn't go there had, had good doctrine and a very loving pastor and wonderful relationships as well but i i think when i got into the uh, theological college i became very performance orientated and focused and perhaps i lost a bit of that yeah just that initial love for for the lord and being loved by him for sort of a performance rooted in theological understanding and studies. And I don't want to blame anybody, the college or the church either. You know, they were mm. where they were at. They knew what they knew. And the church was what the church was. People had the level of knowledge and experience that they had. So um, anyway, I got married and had children. And then we went off as missionaries to Germany and had six wonderful years of church planting in Germany, but I at the same time was aware of just some deeper emotional struggles, really with a sense of identity and wanting peer approval and wanting to have a make a name for myself for the glory of God and for the glory of myself. Sometimes you get confused between mm -hmm. the two. And took on quite a lot of pressure financially 
to finance this ministry, this church planting. And uh, my wife and I, we, we had lovely experiences there, but found that in 2000 and end of 2003, beginning of 2004, we were on a furlough in South Africa. And I was quite anxious about going back because I think there was a fair amount of loneliness as well and uh, pressure and maybe what they call culture stress, not so much culture shock, but culture stress. And uh, yeah, got hit by a strong clinical depression just before returning to Germany, we went back and I resigned from ministry. I had a, I couldn't pray, I couldn't minister. Wow. I just was done, I was spent and it hit me like a tsunami, honestly. It was like being sent to Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> Very dark place. And uh, well, I'd resigned and then about a few months later, I said to my wife, I think I should return to South Africa and uh, go and look for work. I didn't want to live in Germany anymore yeah. and so that was after six years and uh, so I returned and in the night in the hotel the flight had been interrupted so they put us in a hotel in Zurich and uh, I remember watching pornography the whole night and thinking wow this is crazy this is so easy this is something I hadn't done since my teenage years where I got exposed to pornography and everything sexual and just grew up with that lust and dysfunction in my life and and here I um, found myself watching and just drinking it in and uh, got to South Africa and started uh, looking at pornography drinking and really what I was trying to do is medicate uh, myself and uh, I didn't know what was going on I was deeply aware that you know a couple of months before I'd been praying and seeking the Lord and serving him uh, imperfectly and yeah. now suddenly I was in a completely different place and it was almost a shock to myself but I made the choice to medicate and went on uh, to phone numbers and yeah. started getting contact with uh, through the phone with others and just all kinds of uh, yeah. terrible addiction ensued out of that and yet it was the beginning of my healing so uh, I caused my family quite a bit of trauma. They returned to South Africa in December, and my wife found out. She saw my phone, and uh, all hell broke loose. And and the pain that erupted, you know, one o'clock in the morning when your wife is in deep, deep pain and screaming mm. at you—that is very scary. But it's what you deserve. You've caused it, and. Yeah, that uh, that really hit home. I, I thought, what have I done? And uh, so it was a two-year sort of binge purge cycle in which I purged and, you know, didn't see any pornography. And where I was working, they had blockers on the uh, inter internet and it was a very strict environment. But, you know, it sort of would f then relapse. And over two years, this would happen, purge, relapse, confess again. And uh, it's a miracle that uh, Penny didn't leave me and my wife didn't leave me. The Lord really said to, you know, uh, just don't cut him off, don't cut off your flesh and blood. She, she heard from the Lord because she knew she could leave. She, she was entitled yeah. to yep. from the betrayal. So I, uh, yeah, so, so in that period, I began to again slowly recover and have the sense of, you know what, uh, I need to turn my heart towards home towards my family and I, I've got to turn my heart towards the Lord even though I was so 
angry at him as though I was blaming him for abandoning me, mm. I uh, realized, you know what, I cannot rebel against God. I'm going to be running into It's like an egg trying to crack a rock open. <laughs> you are making a big mistake. The only one who can heal you is the one who's allowed all of this for a purpose in your life. And, and I did. And slowly, yeah, I got into counseling end of 2006 and began to recover and heal slowly, counseling. And then, yeah, after four years was restored to ministry as well. But it's been an ongoing discipleship journey. 100%. And and look, I can attest, Penny, your wife is a beautiful, beautiful woman of God. And... Um, I'm so always encouraged by both mm. of you, just your marriage and the way you both have just tackled this over the years. And mm. I think for our listeners, I can attest personally that, you know, you both have the uh, history and the longevity behind you to know that you can be trusted and, and you actually know what you're talking about when, when it comes to the whole healing process and yeah, the realities she, of that. She was really, she was really hurt and, you know, I was the fourth person of the Trinity. She held me in high esteem and... <laughs> <laughs> I came off uh, off my perch. I, I was humbled, and in a sense, that was good, also because you know I was just a an imperfect man, and yeah. uh, that is never healthy. But it seems natural for wives really to look up to their husbands, mm. and uh, but I, I I was humbled, and she she was very gracious, and and she's had a long healing journey herself, so. And it, it certainly was, it did take time, yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. So where do you think moving into the more, um, the church and and as yourself, you're a pastor and you're theologically trained and you've obviously been in ministry for quite some time. Why, knowing the stats we know, okay, we know it's prevalent, we know it's within the church walls. Why are we not? talking about it where where have we historically gone wrong that it's such a problem that we kind of have it almost feels hopeless we don't even know where to start and we don't know why people feel awkward talking about it and they don't know how to get to the next steps how do we get where we are today what has the church historically maybe done wrong and when I say that I know sometimes most of the time people have best intentions but what do you think, what are your thoughts on that historically where the church has gone wrong and why we've ended up where we are today? Probably in the area of discipleship, yep. that's been a, a weakness. You know, I've done a bit of research on the early church and uh, when, you know, the gospel was first being proclaimed, you know, the Jews came out of a discipleship culture. The family was really strong. It wasn't Roman and Greek with widespread sexual immorality it, it was a healthier culture in some ways in that they, you know, grandparents would be involved with children, the extended family, the village. And so integrating the rabbinic discipleship culture, Jesus being a rabbi, spending time with the rabbi, the disciples, being with him, you know, that which we, we have seen, which our hands have touched, uh, which we have beheld, which we have heard, this we proclaim to you, the word of life. The relationship was very strong and the interactive relationship and the learning, which you still see in Israel today in some ways with the Orthodox and their rabbis, they dress like the rabbi, they they act like the rabbi, they learn his words, they memorize his teaching. All of that was happening and they experienced the grace and the healing and the power. And 
I guess in a sense that can be absent, particularly with the Reformation where mm. there was a discovery of the, uh, the doctrine of justification by faith and the word became central again and that was good and uh, excellent and modern Luther, you know, found that, discovered that grace again in a sense, but maybe the reaction was a bit overboard, perhaps from the Western context, you know, that uh, the individualism Everyone began to have a Bible, be able to read God's word, and of course the Protestant work ethic, you know, people, that's what happens when you become a believer, if you clean your life up, work hard, you tend to get wealthy, <laughs> you're no longer wasting, you save, you. you're sensible, you're wise, that's what happened with the Puritans, and, but but part of that, perhaps in the in the church, you know, of our decades, you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s, perhaps, but, uh, the impact was, you know, that it's a try harder and, and they're not talking about these things, not ministering in this area. Uh, I thought about Athanasius, you know, when the early church, let's quickly get back to that point that I made, so many became believers and then with the first persecution, heaps of them fell away. Yes. And he, he thought about this. So he decided, you know what, he's going to do discipleship. And, you know, you had to go through a two-year discipleship process before you even got baptized. And there was, like, wow. memorizing. There was exorcisms. There, <laughs> there were washings and purifications. There was confession. Wow. Stuff that we're like, what? You know, and, again, it was probably an overreaction yes. because of what he saw. But he, he genuinely wanted people to, to know the Lord and walk with the Lord and, and live intimately with him in terms of a church community as well. And and so maybe we, we're seeing the loss of that discipleship element of being learners of Jesus, lifelong scholars under the reign of Christ, under the reign of grace. And again, also this theology of once you come to know the Lord, you shouldn't struggle, which yeah. is a total contradiction to everything we read. Yeah. From the epistles, we don't have to look to the gospels even. You'll go to Second Peter chapter 1. It says divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called him, called us by his own glory and goodness. And then, then he says, uh, goes down and he says, Therefore, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love. So this adding, but how do you add that? And, we, you know, we, we traditionally don't see that anymore. You, you know, there can be a lot of Bible study, again, which can be knowledge-based, but the beliefs of your heart, getting your emotions involved, that's been a challenge. Yeah. So in my church, we are got saved. that certainly didn't talk about pornography or sexual addiction or struggles. It was kind of like hush-hush taboo. And it's because of that, I think also that mentality of like that's the former self. So we're a new, we're made new in in the image of Christ. You know, we're now we're now part of Christ's church. That's right. So the identity. That's right. This is my identity, but my identity now needs to flow into progressive sanctification. Yes. And that's the process of discipleship. But a church has got to be safe for that, because if you run into Pharisees, and they yes egalistic now now what is uh. You know, people who've got no struggles, no challenges, they look good, they sound smart, they dress well, 
They don't have a weakness in the world. What does uh, Jesus say about them? Oh, hang on. They were Pharisees, whitewashed tombs. Mm -hmm. And that can put off the new believer who comes in with all this, like you're talking about the stats. Pornography is now a cultural norm. Yes. And it's not the Playboy magazine of the 70s. It's 84% of online pornography. If you can think it, you can discover it, you can look for it. Mm -hmm. It is worldwide. It is massive. And it is 84% of it, they say, is abusive and violent towards women. These women are, are girls, as little girls, most of them were sexually abused, groomed, abandoned, broken. Yeah. Who wants to grow up to be a pornography actress? Yeah. No. And are you sucked into you exposed to that as someone young? That is so powerful. And also the uh, you know, the new research with the brain that was also lacking. Paul had it. Romans twelve, he had the revelation, therefore be transformed by the renewal of your mind, you know, that you need to offer your life, your body as a living sacrifice. And mm. chapter six of Romans, putting off and uh, you know, just as you gave yourself to sin now give yourself to righteousness. It's amazing. As we, we look at God's word, it's all there really. Yeah. But we've lacked this and in the mega church it's completely lacking. Mm. You know, you can just go and be anonymous, hear a nice message on a Sunday, enjoy the worship, and live a totally undiscipled life Monday to Saturday. So so yeah, those are some of the problems. It can be theological and a misunderstanding of in fact, even how the brain works, that when you view pornography now through brain scans, since the 90s, they've been able to show that your body responds. And in the same way you're having intimacy with a woman, there's serotonin that's released, which is well-being. There's dopamine, which is the pleasure. There's oxytocin, which is the bonding. Endorphins. All of this, and there's adrenaline, the anticipation, uh, in the anticipation of watching it. So, the process of going online, looking, whether it be the you know, going in the app and uh, scanning, uh, what do they call it? You know, where you, you're looking for someone, uh, clicking like Tinder there's and stuff. All kinds of, yeah, there's all kinds of terminology for this now. So, the anticipation is all part of the addiction. Now, that's supposed to happen in, in your marriage where you love each other and you're intimate with each other and you're giving and receiving. This is why men can't get these images out of their minds. They've bonded. They've had sex with the male and female actors and actresses. Yeah, there's, and there's the science to back that. Creates, yeah, the same chemistry, and that's why the brain needs to be renewed, the re literal physical mind, because more than just moral, it's now a brain problem. Yeah, so that, that was lacking. And the cry harder came in and the performance and, hey, just pray for me for deliverance from the spirit of lust. I can tell a whole, tell you a whole lot about yes. that if you want. Yeah, well, that, that's been one of my biggest, um, well, so when I've shared with friends and stuff like that, you know, the realities of this, um, you know, I've had people come and, and you know, um, open up about their spouse or someone they know or even them mm -hmm. personally struggling with porn um, and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed mm. and it's not going away or I did intercessory prayer 
and it worked for a bit, but then it's come back again. Um, I don't understand why God isn't healing me. That's What's your right, response to that? It's got to be a holistic process. You see, mm. I guess in our nature and perhaps in our, our hyper-advanced society, we want the quick fix. We do. Yes, so instant gratification. Instant deliverance and, you know, on the more conservative side, maybe cessationists will say just pray more and read the word more. Yep. Memorize the word. Prayer in the word is good. Absolutely. Means of grace. Charismatic side, oh, pray for your deliverance. Be filled with the spirit. That's good. Yeah, that's there in the Bible as well. But I've had men come and say, well, I've done all that and I keep relapsing. I've had guys say, you know, I fasted for a week. I went for deliverance. Two weeks later, I was at the Thai massage. Came back. And, and that's a reality because God's just not going to take your brain out and give you an entirely new brain. Mm. He wants to walk with you as Rabbi Jesus in the discipleship yes. process with others because, you know, you're wounded through family dysfunction and personal trauma and an addictive yes. society and you've got to heal through the body of Christ with God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So mm. that, that's been lacking and it's, it, I guess it's lacking in churches because churches have a history, you know, they were planted 30, 40, 50 years ago. So they have a generational history of how they do things. Yes. New Christians are coming in and, hey, they're coming in from a different society. Look, there are addicts at 70, 80. Yep. Um, all ages. Yep. But they perhaps weren't as exposed at, as a current generation. So they're coming in and their history is, well, sex is pornography is fine and sleeping around is good and, What's wrong with that? It's a wonderful thing, and Jesus loves me. And then perhaps others are saying, no, you need to repent and stop it, but they don't know how to offer help, yeah. hope, and healing. And so if you've really gone your whole life... It a cover-up. Yeah, and if, you, if you've gone your whole life believing that it's okay and it's a good thing and it's not mm. bad, then, I mean, that's a massive journey to be on, to rewire the brain. Like, we know the neuroplasticity can... Re, the brain can reconfigure itself, create new neuropathways to create um, healthy habits and, and whatever else and rewire, like you said, the renewing yeah. of the mind. Science now backs what God wrote. <laughs> That's right. So old pathways can die off and new pathways can be created, but it's got it to be in time. an atmosphere of grace and the doctrines of, of grace, the word of God and the gospel and an atmosphere of, of God's love and support and not shaming. There's healthy shame and there's unhealthy shame. Mm. Most of the shame is unhealthy, a frown, a scoff, a look of, I don't know how to help you, a quick scripture. So the person very quickly gets this idea, note to self, don't talk about the subject. Because yeah. everyone feels the impact of it, yeah. You may have learned from school and videos and movies and the internet and social media. This is great, but you feel its consequences and its com and its pain. You are like the demoniac in chains, mm -hmm. and uh, so you just come to church and leave the church in like a demoniac in chains. Because we don't talk about that. We don't minister there. We don't know how to offer help. 
And it's interesting because you talk about discipleship and I think some people might be listening going, okay, well, what does that practically look like? Um, and maybe you can flesh that out for us a little bit more in the sense of tackling this particular um, mm. issue. But I think as well it's important to highlight, you know, like you said, in the Bible we can see read Scripture, be in the Word of God, pray, um, and then there's the Holy Spirit working in us and, and we see the gifts of the church uniting and coming together. But discipleship is such a huge part. I mean, Jesus didn't need to just surround himself with 12 disciples, but he chose to to model us to us what community looks like. And so discipleship is about community. And I think another issue as you're talking about it, for me, that probably rings true is more that um, we feel uncomfortable and we're not equipped on to on how to go on the journey with someone that is struggling with this with this issue. And so we say, I'll pray for you, not knowing that that's an incredibly harmful statement to make because it's actually dismissing, in a sense, again, best intentions, but it's saying, I don't know how to deal with this and I'm not committed to the process. So I'll just do the easier thing of I'll pray, I'll give you a prayer and we'll just hope for the best. And... um. Yeah, the other one is what's well, mental health. As though mm. you like got a mental issue, which, which you do, but mental health sounds more like you're, you're slightly unstable, really, compared yeah. to the rest of us. Or medicate. That's what I think yeah. often. Like medicate. That's right. Yeah, you 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 know you, you you can't. You need to go to someone specialized, and and often, yeah, that's good. Go see a Christian counselor if you don't feel safe. I would. I would. If I was a church planter, I might just do this one day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a pastor of a church which has a, a, been established 38 years ago, so it's got a history. And I don't think they've ever ministered in this area. So I have to take a very slow approach. They have to say, okay, we need to see, is Bernard safe? Yeah. Is he trustworthy? Uh, is he confidential? Is he gracious? before they're going to trust me. So I'm on that journey. Okay. But if I was a church planter, I would, as foundational discipleship courses, before you even go into a Bible study, I would offer Sexual Integrity 101 from Pure Desire, which gives a, a, a foundation from Romans 12 uh, about how, you know, what sexual addiction is, what how it impacts you, how it impacts your marriage or you as a man or a woman how you pass on a, a generational mindset to your children as an addict. Uh, and, they, and they go through it very graciously and there's couples giving testimony. I'd do something like that. Uh, and okay. then maybe and other ministries as well, which really deal with the emotions. And because addiction is so widespread, you know, if you think of our society, the hyper-industrialized societies, Asian and, and Western, you know, we don't live in the village or have the extended family. People come out of broken homes. It's a low joy society, mm. very low dopamine and low weak community. Yeah, that's true. Superficial relationships, superficial attachment and weak or unstable identity. Who am I? Well, you see this now off the charts with the transgenderism and yeah sexual identities and people just don't even know it's not being passed on from father to son from mother to daughter and mom and dad affirming uh, their children and interacting with them 
So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're damaged and they're being discipled through social media. Yeah. Everyone's doing discipleship. Yeah. But who's discipling you? So, so I would, I would do that if I was a church plant and I would, I'll give a teaching on Genesis. I would uh, preach on, you know, uh, what, what is man? What is a human being in the image of God? He created them male and female. What impacted us? Sin. Sin has impacted every part of us, the way we relate as men and women, as husband and wife. First murder came in, the deceit, the sin, all of it, displacement of God, really. I'll be my own God. Mm. Sexual sin. So we became sexually broken. I would do that, but because I'm not church planting and I've got a church with a history, I would recommend that a pastor firstly educate himself a little bit about this. If he's struggling with pornography, he's not acting out with anyone, he's not doing anything illegal, I would recommend him to get in a group for pastors and find healing because the burden of a double life, we've just seen that with Hillsong, Brian Houston, yes. Carl Lenz, Ruxy Cavey, Ravi Zacharias. I just read a book by Ravi Zacharias that I remembered, uh, Jesus amongst all other gods, and he speaks about someone who is watching pornography and he's son then crashed, died in a plane crash. He tells a story in his book and uh, the man was blaming himself and saying, you know, because I was disobedient to the Lord, I heard the Lord say to me, John, I don't want you to go and see that, view that anymore. I want you to stop. And then he blamed him. He felt like, you know, the Lord took his son and it was all that thinking. But I was quite interested that it was in one of Ravi's books written in 2000. Wow. At that time, well, he was having all these all these women around the world and living a yeah. total double life. So that burden and uh, Numbers 32, your sin will find you out. There are no secrets. Mm. So I'd, 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 I'd minister in that area. You know, what is a man? What is a woman? What is restored masculinity? What is restored femininity in Christ? Mm. It doesn't take us away from his creation to become androgynous. He no. takes us towards femininity and masculinity. Yeah. And we're not hearing that. We're hearing, uh, well, I've got a, I'm a gay identity and I'm a transgender identity. That's who I am. No, that, that's your brokenness. I'm not a, I don't identify as a porn addict. My, de- no. my identity is God's son. Yeah. I'm his beloved son on whom his favor is. And, and then I, I may have been a man who struggled. And I'm on a healing journey for the rest of my life. I'm a disciple. It's a new arena. I live a disciple life the rest of my life. Take up my cross, deny myself, my self that wants to look good, sound smart, gospel of image management, sin management. No, I take it up and follow our Lord with others in community. So I would, that's what I'd recommend is slowly do a series and maybe introduce something like sexual integrity. And even in the marketing to get some testimonies from other folk or share, hey, you know, we all struggle. We're all challenged in this area. We're all exposed to the internet. You're not alone. We all all get those adverts in our spam. We'll see what's there. Hey, don't we think the Lord wants to heal us? He wants purity in his church because purity is such a beautiful thing and sexual purity is so lovely and intimacy with our spouses that's undefiled and we don't have these porn images in our brains. And hey, let's preach about that. But you've got to create slowly a, a shame free culture because uh, Pharisaism and legalism, uh, when that comes in, well, the prostitute, the tax collector, 
the addict, the sinner that Jesus came for, all of us, he can't get free in that environment. They're not safe. Because what does he learn? Yeah. Uh, note to self, don't talk about this. So there was a professor, Jack Deere, he's written some book, wonderful books. He was a professor at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, a professor of Old Testament, brilliant scholar. He struggled in the uh, early 70s with brokenness, and he tried to share with another student and a professor, and he just saw them change a the topic immediately, get embarrassed and change a topic. And from then on, he said, no to self. Don't talk about this. It's not safe to talk about this. And it's really important you highlight that because we're talking about being on the journey with people, being mm-hmm. committed. I mean, that is biblical, bear each other's burdens. It doesn't mean we just dismiss it. And that's probably a really good thing to highlight. What some of the things we shouldn't be doing if someone is to open up to us um, or even if we're to be vulnerable and open up to others, what are some of the things that maybe we should go, okay, don't give up. We can still open up to others, but what are some of the flags that we should be looking out for as believers for one another in what not to do, (laughs) in what not to say? Um, Well, okay, so now this is a statistics in the church. Australia, 50 to 55% of pastors are struggling sexually and losing the battle. Probably more youth pastors. All the young adults are exposed. Yeah, yep. Many are struggling. 70% of men in the church are challenged in some way. 40% of, yeah, 70% of women under 30 have been exposed. How often they go back, but it's a growing niche. Mm. of market so and then there's the swiping and the apps Instagram number one portal well yes. you advertise on your Instagram all your young teenage boys many of your girls are sexting over there yep. you don't even know so firstly take your head out of the sand and, and wake up number one if you're yep. a leader it's not going to go away it's only getting worse and you know the Lord loves his church, so he's exposing it, and he exposes all the leaders, exposed me in my broke, exposed me to my wife, and yeah, I didn't get exposed globally. I wasn't uh, yeah, a high-level leader like that, but that brokenness and that shame and that, that feeling of abandonment and fear, it's very strong, so he does it to rescue us. And to heal us. He's not interested so much in simply our performance, you know, especially when he sees an image management thing going on. And so he he wants to heal us deeply. And um, so I would say if you are struggling, you're one of those 70% or you're a teenager, you can go online. You can look at the Conquer series, Kingdom Works. Yeah. You can go to Pure Desire. Don't go to – this is advice that I heard at – at a seminar I was attending, I was invited to share. The speaker said, "If you, someone asked him, if, you, if I'm struggling, who should I go to? And he said, go and talk to an older Christian who seems to have it all together. Well, afterwards, I got up and I said, no, don't do that. That's really bad. Because <laughs> you might be shamed or given an uh, armchair advice, easy answers, telephonic tips, quick scripture, and you're going to feel shamed and you're not going to want to, open up go talk to someone who has walked the journey they're not perfect perfections in the resurrection and, talk and to someone who's on a healing journey and knows the battle knows what it is to get free you'll probably find christians who uh, are free through sex addicts anonymous 12 step or at least 
getting there. Yeah. People you want to talk to, you see, because they, they're facing reality. They're not living these lies and the deceit and the, the image management. So you want to go talk to someone who's probably uh, had a breakthrough. You know, it reminds me of a, the counselor who helped me in South Africa. He himself had a same-sex struggle. He had been abused as a young guy and he shared his testimony all over the world. So I can share his testimony a little bit. And he... He came under conviction in London, returned to South Africa, and he wanted to get free. And then he began to go see pastors about in the year 2000. And he told me one pastor he went to go see had been a headmaster in a school. And he went into his office, had to sit on the side, like in a headmaster's office, at least old school, old style. And this man hardly could make contact with him, took out a list of scriptures, which speaks about uh, homosexuality and... Mm gave it to him and he's like well i know i'm struggling i want to get free (laughs) that's why i'm here yeah and and so that's shaming experience eventually he found someone who had walked the healing path and helped him and was very real and he got into a ministry called living waters and uh, yeah yeah so he's been a great blessing but some of those experiences he shared and, and same with me i've got easy answers telephonic tips and Quick yep. prayer for deliverance is a satanic assignment. Okay, well, what's that help me? Yeah. What, what do we do? How, how do I break through? How do I find some healing? And eventually uh, I managed to get to the material of pure desire. So I'd say, don't go to an unsafe person. Don't go to the Pharisee or the older brother. Look, I mean, all of us can be, I've got to be careful there not to condemn people. We can all be pharisaical totally. at times. Yep, yep, it's yep. rooted in fear. Normally when you're angry and fearful that you hard on yourself and then you hard on others. So yeah, look for the right person to open up and sometimes that should just be a, a good Christian counselor. Yeah. yeah. Someone who's got an understanding of process addictions and and sexual addiction. Yeah. And and if you're someone that's listening and going, Oh, I don't there's no one like that in my church that I know of, you can like reach out to me and I can point you in the right direction. Well, I'm gonna link in the episode notes. Pure Desires Ministries and just a, f- a few um, avenues you can look down, which I'll get from you, Bernard, <laughs> any more you suggest. But I'll, I'll link them all in the episode notes. So if you are listening, there will be some resources where you can find some help because they all offer in counselling and stuff. Well, well, the good news is there are more resource, resources available than ever before. So amazing. Yes. You can go onto the Soul Refiner website and you can get two series that you can be part of, you can invite others, and you can journey together. You can start to decide. If there's no one in your little town or no one in your church that you feel can do this, you can do this. The resources are there. Just do it all online. In in Sydney, there are groups that are started and in various churches, and there are men who are doing online groups, some of them face-to-face, and they are finding freedom and healing and the, the... and purity and the burden of a double life lifted and realness and honesty and connection. So what are they finding? Well, their joy in the Lord is increasing because the joy of the Lord is our strength, number Mm. one. Number two, you know, they're finding attachment, so deep relationships. Number three, strong community. And, you know, number four, they're discovering their identity in Christ and and then their mess is becoming their ministry and their misery is becoming their mission. So they're paying it forward. I love but it. Still, it's still far less than, than one would, would like to see. Yeah. 
And yeah. so they're yeah. there, the resources, puredesire.org. Yeah. And the testimonies and the podcasts, all there. And uh, so let's not, you know, fall into Israel's trap. Romans chapter 10, verse 21. All day long I've held out my hands to a disobedient people because of pride and shame and embarrassment. Mm. Let's not make the mistake of those who, I had this experience, those who've come under severe discipline. We've seen this, you know, a man hides, it's available. And sometimes, you know, he won't listen. So you won't soften his heart to the Lord. So God has to break him outwardly. Yeah. Yep. I've seen men lose their wives, their children, their jobs, their friends, everything in one day. So that's the discipline of the Lord. Consider, therefore, the severity of God and the kindness, the grace. His kindness is there to lead us to repentance. You know, reevaluate your life and bring it under the reign of Jesus because it's a good life. It's a blessed life. Yep. It's pure. There's, and He gets involved with us. The Holy Spirit wants to heal us deeply. Our Father blesses us, shines his face upon us, mm. gives us his peace. He's delighted to see us and loves us. Father of the prodigal son throws his arms around us. Yes. My early time of addiction, struggling, every time I'd relapse, I, I'd struggle, I'd go back to the Lord. And I'd say, Lord, here I am again, again. I, I choose to run into your arms. I choose to to come to you thank you that you received me i repent again and, and i work the program and confess to my group and and we'd share and so and and that was before the pure desire some of the material we have now we you know they take you step by step how to run a discipleship group which has got brilliant biblical input clinical data means it's been tested and wonderful tools yeah to find that purity yeah. You know, it's fantastic. can definitely attest for that. I actually um, piggybacked off the hus- my husband's program <laughs> and I did the Gonka series and I learned so much. I was like, why is not every single human being doing this program? Because it doesn't matter whether it's sexual addiction. For me, it wasn't sexual addiction. I was listening to it and I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I dealt with this stuff and all this, you know, just junk in my life just came up and so I just went on this crazy journey doing a ministry that wasn't even <laughs> intended for what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know it's wonderful because I, I get contacted from people everywhere like I, I just recently you know in Malaysia uh, I've had the US like just everywhere you know uh, yeah. Switzerland it's wonderful and then they take that with them because you know the resources are there and yeah, it's challenging. They're all faced with the same issue. All live in the same fallen world, but we all have the Lord there who's saying, "Come, uh, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Mm. Stop living with this burden of a secret double life. Sexual addiction and porn is sucking the life out of you. The devil is it sucking is. the life out of you. Doesn't matter how the world has told you this is great. It's broken and it's using and it's." hardening and it's despairing yeah. men can't concentrate at work their yeah. brains aren't functioning well all that you've got these porn images dominating them jesus is saying come with all of that come 
I will give you rest. Take my yoke, you see, and that's the yoke of the rabbi and his teaching, our, our Lord Jesus. Take my yoke, this gospel, upon you and learn from me. Beautiful. I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I was also thinking about uh, John 4. Now he says to the woman at the well, mm. she had all these men, husbands, and trying to fill that, you know, that romance addict, she was so broken and yeah, looking to men to fill that need in her. Yeah. And he says to her, you know, uh, she said, well, give me this living water. And he says, well, the water you want, you're going to thirst again, but the water I give you, this living water, and uh, if he who drinks this water will never thirst again. But I, I, I thought about the word drinks. You know, the drinking is an ongoing process, isn't it? It's yep. not a once-off. So you saved by grace through faith. This is a gift of God. But then you continue to drink and live in that joy and grow in him and allow him to come into all those spaces in your life. But yep. you need a group. You need a, a, a band of brothers or a, a sisterhood and you need a group where you're safe and you're real and that joy starts coming hope you need hope yes there is hope i've experienced it i live it i feel it i love it and uh it's very it's very hard to 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 see deaf ears and blind eyes you know people where they they just can't break through you yeah. think well maybe you need more pain because God certainly, he reaches us through our pain. He really, mm. really does in, in a beautiful way. It's painful, mm. but it's it's beautiful. Mm. Um, well, there we go. I think, I mean, there is so much more we could talk about. <laughs> it's never ending. But I think one of the big takeaways, if you're listening to this, you know, you might be going, okay, well, this isn't something I struggle with personally maybe and – um, you've said a lot about for if someone's struggling where they can go. But I think the most important thing to remember then is if this isn't something you struggle with but someone opens up to you, be the safe person that's going to be committed to the journey with them. And so that means saying something. You can just be humble and be willing and say, not something I struggle with personally but I really want to help you. How can I do that? I'm committed to the journey. Let me help you find resources. Let me help you find a group and I'm going to check in on you and I'm going to catch up with you and I'm going to pray with you and I'm mm. going to be there for you as an accountability person that if you get stuck or you feel like you're going to relapse, you can call me because that's what community looks like. So you don't have to be mm -hmm. someone that is involved in one of these ministries to be able to help someone else in your church or in your life that is struggling with us. If you want to. I will, I will help anyone who calls me. Hillsong Church, call me. Anyone, yes. Anybody, yes. call me. I will, wherever you are, I will link you to groups. I will link you to Pure Desire. That's your job. Refiner. It is there. <laughs> and, and if I were to summarize what what we do in this Pure Desire process of be it conquer, be it seven pillars, uh, be it living free for young uh, students, be it behind the mask for, for young women, be it uh, the betrayal and beyond, uh, and and that course that you did, uh, Kaz, unraveled, uh, yeah, yeah. unraveled uh, for 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 women, you know, really it's a discipleship process. And and when, as I see it, you know, I think of Ephesians chapter four, and the apostle Paul, you know, he he says that, uh, you know, we are to speak the truth in love and grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. That's all founded on 
on him and flows out of him. But I was thinking of verse 17, Ephesians chapter 4. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Pornography and sexual addiction and lying and stealing and embezzlement and fraud and all of that is it's futile and it's mm-hmm. self-destructive. They are darkened in the understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And then having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. And really it's sucking the life out of it's sucking the life out of them. It is devastating people, traumatizing their lives. But he says then, verse 20, and my challenge, I suppose, is to churches, you know, are you doing this, pastors and leaders? If you, it's hard to pass on what you yourself don't have. Mm-hmm. So perhaps there's someone in your church or you might need it for yourself. But he says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Messiah and were taught in him. That's how it was in the church that Paul planted it in Ephesus. In accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And that is discipleship. It's integrating the doctrine of Christ and the gospel, the truth of the scriptures, starting to integrate it into your life. And you're learning how to put off old behaviors, to put on new behaviors, to live truthfully. You're learning how to renew your mind, those neuro pathways, the attitude of your minds, putting yes. on the new self. And that, that is a, a process. It's progressive sanctification. And it's more than just stop it, cry harder, buys wins, we are healed. Um, sp- <laughs> deliverance and all of that is may may have a functionality in one place or another even you know to stop but generally this is not an issue of the will the will is enslaved and the brain is addicted so it's like Mm. telling an ice addict to stop taking ice like oh yeah that's gonna help it's a process of walking together and supporting each other and yeah it's uh it's ongoing it's it's a new reality, but the fruits, you know, righteousness, peace, hey, man, a sense of peace, joy, oh. joy in your marriage, enjoying just like natural things, you know. Yeah. Enjoying yeah. your wife, your wife enjoying you. You know, you're not living secrets and lies and deception and hiding and so beautiful. It's such a beautiful thing and uh, God's way really is better. <laughs> it really is. And it's a joy uh, yeah, to go so. on that journey with people, you know. Mm. It creates real life-giving relationships and it's beautiful. It really is. That's right. And, you know, the that sense of when I first became a Christian, I was saying, you know, I was thinking about that early young adults. When I grew up, it was using and being used. Oh, there were some good friendships and memories, but that selfish orientation grabbed a hold of me yeah. in my you know, uh, later high school years and and, and young adult years. And, you know, you you grow up, like it says in Titus, the Apostle Paul, hating and being hated, using and being used. 
and you know coming into the church and and experiencing the joy of jesus and it's so good to see you so good to be with you so good to be together play volleyball and table tennis and swim and do outings and have clean fun just be real yeah and 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 honesty and realness and enjoy you know that's the dopamine and the joy of the lord and the serotonin and everything that god designed and yeah of course you know with sexual sin it mars it because it it makes everything unsafe yes and god is a better way yeah there's just a better way grab hold of it i love that yeah thank you bernard that that was awesome thank you <laughs> i love that uh look i'm sure some of you are maybe listening uh you might be feeling a little bit heavy-hearted. Maybe it's someone you personally struggle with this as well. But like we said, there is not shame and guilt. This isn't your identity. Um, there is healing available. And so please reach out. Um, I will. Um, I have Bernard's contact details. I won't put it publicly up there on the internet. But I will. Yeah. <laughs> I have them readily available for anyone that wants them. Um, and he can connect you with people maybe in your local area but at least online for groups you can join and to start that process so please don't hesitate Um, and yeah and yeah I hope everyone gained much from this episode thank you Bernard for coming on appreciate all your time I know you're a busy man with all this ministry and then leading a church and as, as they say in South Africa it was a pleasure Good. <laughs> Even if I say your name the Aussie way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, ladies, thank you. And men, thank you for listening today. Uh, if you feel like this um, episode really hit home, we'd love for you to share it with your friends and family on social media. Um, subscribe to whatever platform you're listening to. But otherwise, I hope you have an incredible week. Bye. Bye.